Revelation has long been touted as providing a firm foundation for the pre-trib rapture position. We now know that this is not true. First, Revelation 3.10 was considered the pillar of the position. Second, Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 was considered the best picture of and place for the pre-trib rapture to occur in the book of Revelation. Both of these positions have been resoundingly defeated by good exegesis. What's really interesting is the fact that it was fellow pre-tribbers who have done the damage. The third rail of the pre-trib position with regards to the book of Revelation is the idea that since the term church does not occur in chapters 4 through 19, the church must be raptured at the end of chapter 3. Since the majority of Revelation's Revelation chapter 4 through 19 takes place on the earth, the church must be in heaven. This argument has been used very successfully to convince the uneducated that a pre-trib rapture must and is the only correct position to explain this anomaly. For those individuals who believe in a pre-trib rapture, but who depend on others to teach and defend the position, they do not know just how much trouble their position is in. That is, if having an explicit scriptural basis is important. Now, if a solid scriptural foundation is not important, then pre-trib is just as good as, say, amillennialism, a post-tribulationalism. The absence of the term church in chapters 4 through 19 is not a strong argument at all. It is a classic example of arguing from silence. The term church is not the only term used in the New Testament for the body of Christ. Most pre-tribbers do not know just how weak such reasoning is. Once again, the argument has been totally undermined by pre-tribbers themselves. Keith H. Essex wrote and published an article entitled, The Rapture and the Book of Revelation. In this article, Essex evaluates the places in the Book of Revelation where pre-tribulationists have taught that the rapture occurs. The majority of the places in the book of Revelation were where pre-tribbers have taught as places that indicate the rapture are in chapters 4 through 19. So how do they get away with this? Well, we should look at a couple of passages to determine how it is that pre-tribbers can argue for a rapture somewhere in chapters 4 through 19. Of course, last time we talked, we looked at Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, where we were taught by pre-tribbers that the Apostle John represents the church being called up into heaven. So we see, based on this particular text, that the church is represented, or the church is present 
by representation. Similarly, in Revelation chapter 4, verse 4, and chapter 5, verse 9 through 10, are said also to indicate that the rapture has occurred because the 24 elders represent the church in heaven. Again, the church is present by representation, not explicit or implied, but pure representation, a position which many have shown to not be the case. Pre-tribbers teach that Revelation chapter 6 verse 2 represents the rapture. Jesus is the rider on the white horse, and he has come and he has taken his bride away. Now what is interesting about Revelation chapter 6 verse 2 is that there is no indication of the church whatsoever. Pre-trip teachers teach that Revelation chapter 12 verse 5 represents the church. The church is represented by the male child that is raptured or caught up to heaven. Here the church once again is present by representation. One pre-trip teacher even indicates the rapture in Revelation chapter 14, verse 14 through 16. Now get this. Pre-tribbers teach that since the term church is not mentioned in Revelations chapter 4 through 19, the church must be in heaven. Yet it seems to escape their notice that the church is never explicitly identified as being in heaven. In fact, after chapter 4, it is as if the church ceased to exist. It is not referred to ever again, either in heaven, back on earth in the millennium, or even present in eternity as far as the book of Revelation is concerned. The term church doesn't show up again until chapter 22, where the author is clearly referring once again to the churches of Asia. So what happens to the church? Where does it go? Why does it lose a explicit representation? Surely, once the church is raptured to heaven, there is no need to hide it or to conceal its identity. Yet the book of Revelation acts as if the church merely ceases to exist after chapter 3. Yet these pre-tribbers also admit that the church can be represented under some other name or image. In fact, we saw in chapter 4, verse 1, that they said John can represent the church. In chapter 4 and chapter 5, they said the 24 elders can represent the church. One man has argued very strongly that the man-child mentioned in Revelation chapter 12 represents the church. Now, my friend, let me ask you, 
Do you detect a double standard here? Pre-tribbers can argue for representation of the church, but others cannot. The argument from silence works both ways. If because the term church does not appear in Revelation chapter 4 through 19, if that means the church is in heaven, then by by the same token, we can argue that since the absence of the term church does not occur in Revelation chapter 20, it means the church is not on earth during the millennial reign. Most people seem to not pay very close attention to the fact that the term church does not occur in Revelation chapter 20 at all. The term church never comes up again. Now, how can the church be in the millennial kingdom for a thousand years and not be directly identified by such title? The absence of the term church in Revelation 21 means the church is not in eternity. The term is not used in chapter 21, so it stands to reason that since silence proves that the church is not on earth in chapters 4 through 19 of the book of Revelation, the argument of silence must also prove that they are not in the millennium and they are not in eternity either. If it is absolutely required that the church be so designated by that particular term, then, my friend, I must tell you that we are at quite a loss because the term does not occur at all after chapter 4 with anything to do with heaven or on earth. The absence of the term church in Revelation 21 means the church is not in eternity. So I ask again, where is it? Now it's interesting that in Revelation chapter 11, verse 18, the term saints occur. Pretribus say it refers to events after the millennial kingdom. They use the fancy word proleptic, which means the author states a fact long before it actually happens. He tells you what happened as if it is happening at the time he said it, but in fact, it is going to happen far, far in the future. So, when God takes back the kingdom, as it is detailed in Revelation chapter 11, pre-tribbers surmise that this must be at the end, uh, down near the end of the millennial kingdom, because that's when the saints, quote-unquote, church-age saints, uh, can once again be allowed to refer to the body of Christ. Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, the author refers to the rest of her seed. Pretribbers say it refers to the 144,000. The 144,000 appear in Revelation chapter 7. However, they are not saved until Revelation chapter 14. But they are the so-called evangelists of the Great Tribulation. 
My friend, there's absolutely no basis whatsoever for such a claim. And yet it is touted by pre-tribulationalists as if it is gospel truth. The 144,000 are not evangelists. They will never be evangelists. They were never intended to be evangelists. And there is no way that you can make them evangelists other than simply saying they are without any biblical support whatsoever. It's a fancy system built to try to answer some tough questions that pre-tribbers have no answers for. Revelation chapter 13, verse 7, the term saints occur. Again, pre-tribbers say it refers to the 144,000. Revelation chapter 13, verse 10, the term saints occurs. Pre-tribbers say it refers to non-church age people. Revelation chapter 14, verse 12, the term saints occur. Again, pre-tribbers teach that these are saints, but they are not a part of the bride of Christ saints. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, the dead who die in the Lord. Pre-tribbers teach that these people are in union with Christ only in his death, but not in his life. Thus, this is not the same as Paul's idea about being in Christ. How convenient. They can be in union with Christ only in his death, but they cannot be in union with him in his life as they live on earth. Isn't that wonderfully convenient? Revelation chapter 16, verse 6, the blood of the saints and prophets. Pre-tribbers ignore this verse, leaving ambiguous who is the referent, particularly given that these actions take place during the second half of Daniel's final week. Revelation chapter 17, verse 6, the blood of the saints the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. According to pre-tribbers, these people are not a part of the body of Christ when they are specifically identified as blood martyrs, men, women who gave their lives for Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 17, verse 14, the call and chosen and faithful. My friend, clearly this is a reference to church-age believers, but, of course, they cannot be under the pre-trib system unless they re-engineer the outline of the book of Revelation and make it a proleptic reference. Revelation chapter 18, verse 20, so we have the terms saints, apostles, and prophets. Again, a clear reference to members of the church, individuals uh, persecuted by the beast empire, though they are identified as saints, apostles, and prophets. Revelation chapter 18, verse 24, we have the phrase, the blood of prophets and of saints. Revelation chapter 19, verse 2, the blood of his servants. Now, my question is, if the church can be found in representation by pre-tribulationalists, why can't they be found there by others 
who argue and articulate a different timing for the evacuation of God's people from earth to heaven. Now I want you to notice six unique passages in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 19 verse 7, the wife of the lamb. Now, pre-tribulationalists will admit that this is a reference to the church, the wife of the lamb. Revelation chapter 19 verse 8, the righteous acts of the saints are described as the clothing of the wife. These are, this is clearly a reference to church age saints. Revelation chapter 19 verse 14, the armies which are in heaven. This army accompanies Christ as he returns to fight at Armageddon. And pre-tribbers all admit that the church is in fact a part of those armies. Interestingly, in this 19th chapter, she's called the wife, the righteous acts of the saints and the armies which are in heaven. Each is a reference to the church. Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. They that sat upon them, that is the thrones. All will admit that this is a reference to the church and the church age believers who are ruling with Christ during his temporal kingdom on earth. Revelation chapter 20 verse 6, priests of God and of Christ. All will admit that the church is a part of that group. Revelation chapter 20 verse 9, the camp of the saints. Again, a reference that would include the church age believers. Now, what is interesting, ladies and gentlemen, is that in those six verses, all are representations of the church. Not one really, uh, no one really doubts that the church age believers are included in these groups. Yet there is no explicit reference to that effect. The term church does not occur at all. But people have no difficulty in recognizing that these are in fact terms that encompass uh, the bride of Christ. Now to me, it just seems as if there is a double standard. Because of the way pre-tribbers work, there is no passage in the book of Revelation that remotely resembles the rapture of the church. It is as if there is no rapture if we must follow the teachings of the pre-tribbers. There is no rapture indicated in the book of Revelation. How is it that pre-tribulationists back themselves into this corner. It's because of their attempt to redefine and to reevaluate the book in order not to violate the principle that they are trying to build, that is, that the rapture is pre-tribulational. It is my estimation that you do more damage uh, 
that you you bring more, uh, you lose credibility uh, by trying to so finagle the text to support a position that is simply not there. It would be better to allow the book to simply speak for itself. I want to say to you that um, if I was a pre-tribulationalist, I would be I would be concerned. Now, one of the problems is that many, 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 many pre-tribulationalists are totally unaware of these difficulties that their position is experiencing. Many of them, many people, very sincere people, very honest people, have simply been told by someone that they respect, and since this position tends to agree with their flesh, that is, no suffering, uh, no pain, uh, before all the trouble starts, we're going to be gone. That's a certainly a palatable position. No one in their right mind would uh, would probably reject that. I can certainly say to you that those individuals simply leave the hard work of proving the position to the experts. They simply believe what they are told, and they simply have no other capabilities in terms of making sure that they are not being sucked in into something that is not true. But if I was a pre-tribulationalist and I was sincerely honest in not only believing but being able to defend scripturally, at this point I would be really concerned. The position, as far as the book of Revelations is concerned, has lost all credibility. The primary passages that were argued to be the basis of a pre-trib rapture in the book of Revelation have systematically, one by one, been demolished. Not by outsiders, but by those who in fact hold to a pre-trib position. Once good exegesis, once good Bible study method, once they were applied to the text, the text yielded a different outcome than had previously been articulated concerning the revelation. It is only a matter of time before the arguments, the second-tier arguments, so to say, for the book of Revelation will also be set aside. My friend, this is time for to be sober. This is time to be to be to be sobered by the reality that much of what has been taught about the book of Revelation as far as pre-tribulationalism is concerned simply is not true. Don't just take my word for it. Read the writings of those who are pre-trib, who are applying good exegesis to the text, and you will discover 
that more and more and more men and women are coming to the conclusion that passages once once argued as a strong basis for pre-tribulationalism in the book of Revelation, in fact, are not. This ought to sober you, and it ought to cause you to look again, and to look deeply into whether or not the position is actually biblically sustainable. My friend, these are serious issues. Serious questions, and they require serious answers.